This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Hello and welcome to the Wednesday program. Get ready to hear some of Alex Golish. We're not going to give you all of what he had to say during a press conference on Tuesday. You know why? We had it live on Bulls Unlimited and we posted it to our Unlimited Unloaded page. If you already know these things, good job. You're ahead of the game. But if you didn't know these things, you got to follow me on Twitter or X at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. I didn't want to announce in advance that we could be streaming Alex Golish's press conference live on Tuesday because I wasn't sure technically it was going to happen. And right when I found that out, it happened. Interesting stuff on quarterback. We'll give you the short version, the very short version, but a lot on other positions as the team is settling in to a regular schedule. And then next week, it will really be a regular game week schedule because it'll be game week. We'll give you a little bit of what Rashad Cheney and Mike Lofton had to say as well. If you just heard me say the unlimited unloaded page and don't know what that is, no worries. It's just a fancy name for where we unload the shows. And if you're on SoundCloud or Spotify or Apple Podcast or Amazon Podcast, just type Bulls Unlimited Unloaded and you can hear all of the head coach's press conference, which again, we'll give you clips up here shortly. Also, we posted all of what Jolene Shepardson had to say, the head volleyball coach for the Bulls, as they get ready to start their season. We'll give you some pretty interesting clips in our second segment. And what you haven't had a chance to hear yet, Amanda DeWitt and new setter Caroline Dykes spoke to the media on Monday. They're a pretty energetic duo, and you're going to get some of that vibe as, again, we'll get ready for the volleyball season. We'll do more on volleyball on Friday as we actually preview the two big matchups at Amelie Arena, you heard that right, against Georgia Tech on Friday night and against the Florida Gators at the Yingling Center on Saturday. If you can't make it out, we will have live play-by-play on both of those right here on Bulls Unlimited with yours truly on the call. Also in our second block, we'll preview Thursday night because, again, we're a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule now. There's no Thursday show. Yeah, both soccer teams are in action. For the women, it's the home opener against Alabama A&M, and, yes, we'll have that live call for you. The men are at 6th rank Washington. So a lot going on. We'll also touch on a couple of other things, specifically with softball and with men's basketball. Let's start off with football and where we are right now with head coach Alex Golish. Again, this was heard live on Bulls Unlimited, but I'll give you just a few clips here. Starting off with, well, the fact that the Bulls are starting on Tuesday, really, because Monday was a day off into a typical game week. And of course, next week, you will actually have a game week. But they've started to look at an opponent is the point. Really cool to actually see some different pictures on de- defense and offense and start getting ready for somebody. So they've earned the right to go get ready for somebody and really, really feel good with where we are heading into it. Feel good health-wise. Getting some guys that were dinged up towards the end of camp back today was awesome. Um, so feel really good. How I asked, I actually asked the first question did he feel about the offense because the last time we spoke to him it was after the first scrimmage when the offense as you heard on this show had some work to do I thought offensively operated a lot better in the second scrimmage um, I thought operated a lot better as we finished up last week I kind of thought that that's what it would look like in terms of just being able to put it all together operationally you know what we do on offense is so unique and different it takes time until you get the coaches off the field and the guys just got to go figure it out on their own. There's just so much that goes into being able to operate and communicate and, and how everything is done mechanically. Um, it was a lot better. Still, still not as clean as you want to. I think both scrimmages, the offensive side left and said, man, we got, 
we got to keep going. We got to keep getting better. I think if we left and said, man, we arrived, I probably would be more worried, to be honest with you. I think you always want it to be just a little bit out there, left on the table, where where you can point to things and say, man, like we got to grow here, we got to grow here, we got to grow here. I know what you're thinking. Who was uh, leading the offense? Who's going to be the starting quarterback? Russ Wood, who covers USF sports, loves men's basketball, but comes to the football press conferences and wanted to get right to it. Coach, can you tell us anything about the quarterback, but then covering himself uh, smartly and anticipating the possible answer, considering that recently Golish said they would actually probably come to a decision internally and not let us slash Western Kentucky know. So he also asked about the offensive line, which got the coach a little more verbose, but starting off with the quarterback, who's the starter coach? Can you tell us? The quarterback deal, um, no. The offensive line, I feel like we're sitting at in a situation where we've got really seven to eight guys that we feel good about. Um, when we're all healthy, which today we were all healthy, um, you feel like you've got eight, seven and a half, eight. The eighth is just a, a young guy where you're like, man, like I hope he doesn't have to, but he is as close as a freshman to ready as possible. Um, but you feel like you got seven, you got a couple swing guys at tackle, you got a couple, you got a swing guy inside that we feel really good about. There's a nine and a 10 that, that are taking reps with the twos that we got to keep progressing that you hope by week four or five, once you get into conference play, those guys can be legitimate twos that can go and play. But again, I think it goes with what we do on offense. It's one, offensive line is such a developmental position, but two, what we do on offense, like you better be locked into what's happening because you're, you're a guard or a tackle or a center and you aren't 100% sure <laughs> where the protection's being slid. That's a scary world to live in. And so we got to keep bringing those guys along. The room's got 22 guys in it. So there's some options in there, but we're trying to get them to grow up as much as we can so we can be sitting at 10. But I don't know the last time I was in a room where you felt like you had 10. Um, I don't care where you're at, like to have eight that you feel really good about going into a season. I, I feel pretty fortunate, to be honest with you. When we got here, there was one guy that's played any significant snaps and he was in a walking boot. So that part really is amazing. Of course, he's talking about Donovan Jennings, who was unable to play in the spring and to bring in, as we had just the other day, Tyler Hudanik as the new offensive line coach. If you heard that story, how he said you got to be on a flight at four o'clock. Maybe now that I think back to it, the reason he said you have to come at four o'clock the same day as you're finding out that you would be my offensive line coach is that he didn't want to tell him what the offensive line situation was because there really was no experience for the Bulls and a lot of familiar names had gone elsewhere. Now, of course, Mike Lofton was on the team last year and played plenty, to be fair to him, but then that's about it. It's guys that haven't gotten much playing time with the Bulls, so names like Zane Herring, formerly of Florida State, R.J. Perry, who we talked to a couple days ago from Tennessee, have certainly bulked up that unit. Now, I wanted to ask him on the other side, what position groups have plenty of depth are you most pleased about and maybe to the point where you're not sure the starters are going to be? And there was a lot to talk about from the head coach. I mean, I feel really, really confident in our running back room. Uh, I think it's really deep and really cool skill sets, too, um, you know, with what Kelly, Naquan, uh, Mikey, Dom Ganella. I mean, Kwan Powell's grown more within our program than than just about anybody. I've been really, really, really impressed with Kwan. We got here. I saw Kwan's film. I remember recruiting Kwan out of high school. 
didn't look like the same guy. That kid, he looks like he's ready to go. Um, you know, Asias Young, we just gave Asias a scholarship the other day. He's been steady Eddie. Uh, you know, there's two freshmen in there, Kenny Walker, who's a local kid, and JJ, like, those guys are coming on. Feel really good with the depth there. Feel really good with the depth in our quarterback room. Talked about O-line. The receiver room's just got to get healthy. I feel like we, we've got depth in there. I feel like we got really cool skill sets in there. We're continuing to get healthier there. I actually think we'll be really 100% healthy by the first game. We just got to use this week to get all those guys back and going. You know, feel really good in the secondary with who we got. There's there's backups at every spot. Linebacker, we've got some depth. That was a room we had to rebuild. Jamie Petway brings some veterans veteranship in there. Is veteranship a word, Brian? Veteranism? Okay, we'll go with it. I appreciate that. Got an English major here. Some veteran snaps in that room. And, uh, and so getting Brian Norris back has been nice in there, so you feel a little bit deeper. And then the D-line, you know, we've, we've went in the portal and, and recruited there. Uh, there's not a ton of depth there, but they are working their tail off. So I'm happy with where we are. I thought that was awesome. He essentially went over every single position group. He didn't have to except for special teams, which he did at the end of the press conference. If you are zoned in on these skill position players, Josias Young, the sophomore, technically from Fort Myers, just got that official scholarship. That was cool. The J.J. he referenced, a freshman, is Jalen Johnson out of Georgia, while Kenny Walker is from Wiregrass Ranch. And you heard he was pretty honest saying the D-line right now is a little thin, but it's got some dudes, one of whom we'll hear from here in a minute. He casually mentioned that Brian Norris is back as far as linebacker, so obviously he was hurt. And number 19 on the roster, Jamie Petway, the transfer from FAU, who we mentioned on the show about a week and a half ago when the basically team announced that he was on the roster. I certainly wanted to follow up with the coach on what led to that move. And, of course, Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator, was the D.C. at FAU last season, knows Petway, and I guess that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I think two things. One, he's familiar with Todd and the system. So there was, you know, you bring a guy in, he, he had to graduate, so he graduated beginning of August. So he missed the entire summer, but he worked his tail off. Like, he came in in shape from a mental standpoint. He played in the system a year ago. Now, we look a little bit different than, than what they look like at FAU, but from a terminology standpoint, he was super familiar with it. So he's been able to come in and honestly plug and play in a lot of ways. Still, still learning his teammates, it's a little bit like – like free agency in the NFL, you know, you bring a guy in, but but he's been an awesome teammate. He's been really solid for us. Um, you know, played a bunch played a bunch at Mizzou, started ten games at FAU last year in the same system. So I think that was like we were missing something there. We were missing some depth there, uh, and he's got two years left. So really excited about Jamie. Now, I know we try and give you well in advance some of the guys to look out for, where that's a name that we would not have known at all about, and now I think. You might want to remember Jamie Petway. We'll wrap up with more on the quarterback because he, without naming who the starter is, was asked, hey, do you have to sort of scale back the offense because you had Hendon Hooker at Tennessee and you don't have guys with the same skill set? Maybe not. Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, we got some guys in this room that are very similar skill set-wise. Um, Hendon, Hendon was a sixth year senior that was mature beyond his years, highly intelligent on top of the the football side of it in terms of what he was able to do on the field. What made Hendon really special was that he didn't turn the football over. You ended each possession with with a kick of some sort. 
Gary is, I've said this before, reminds me a lot of Hendon in terms of how he is made up mentally. Guy played in some big time ball games. Um, so I, I see those guys very much similarly, uh, skill set wise, in terms of how they throw the ball, how they run the ball. Byram is a young version of that. Like Byram is, is here all day, every day, pours into his craft, mature beyond his years. Like if you would have told me that, that He's a redshirt freshman, the way he acts and carries himself and the way he's looked at on this team. You know, Bryce Archie has grown maybe more than anybody within our program for the last, since he got here January 9th. Like, he has got a really, really cool skill set. Uh, so I think when you compare guys, you know, and Izzy Carter's a freshman who's got a tremendous, tremendous future. Like, man, he's going to be really, really special. He already is. He's just got to learn what, what the heck is actually going on. Like. Classes started yesterday. He's like, he don't know what's going on. Um, but in a in a lighthearted way, you know. Uh, so I think to compare anybody to Hendon, Hendon uh, is from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, I actually feel like our room is very, very similar to that. So I'm really encouraged by our quarterback room. And just so you know, I'm thinking about you guys as the press conference was going along. I thought, well, he said a couple times they won't announce who the starter is. Does that mean they don't know who the starter is? They haven't announced it to themselves, or do they, and just won't announce it. If you're not telling us who quarterback is for our sake, that's understandable for sure. For us, Kentucky State, have you decided internally yet? We have. Okay. Yes, sir. I love how he's being upfront with that. We just don't want Western Kentucky to know, and something tells me that Gary Bohannon and Byron Brown are going to both find themselves on the field in a couple of Saturday afternoons in Bowling Green, Kentucky. A couple of Clips here from the two student-athletes that spoke after the head coach, Rashad Chaney, one of the leaders on that defensive line starting off. Just going against this um, fast-paced offense have definitely got me in shape quick. I know, like, the first days I didn't have spring ball and I like, or, you know, things like that coming off an injury. So the first few days of practice, it was kind of rough on me just being in pads and stuff, trying to get used to it. But it, um, I got in shape quick, and now I'm flying up to the ball, running. And I'm not even I'm I'm not even realizing until I watch the film how like natural it is for me to just run, you know, get um, off tackles and hurry up and get to the line. So um, this this offense have definitely prepared the defense for you know fast tempo team. And on the other side of the tempo, the guy that's got to get to the football first to get that next play going, the new center for the Bulls, Mike Lofton. We talk about that at the beginning, and then his response to my question: Are you guys ready to actually play a game? He is. It's definitely been a learning experience. Um, you know, at guard, you got your hand in the dirt most of the time. So, and then at center, you got your hand on the ball. Like you're the guy. Um, but there was definitely a learning curve, a learning, uh, learning experience. I feel like I've adjusted to it well. And I give a shout out to the guys in the room, uh, trusting me, and I give a shout out to the coaches as well. You can never really get used to it, just by how fast we play. Um, we play fast, physical, and aggressive. Um, but. As time goes on and as we've gone through camp, we've been able to master it and really lock into that and playing fast, using that to our advantage. Are you uh, beating the official to the ball most times now? Most of the time, yeah. Like, I'm probably, if I had to run it for you, I'm probably clocking like 4-2. I'm moving out there. I feel like guys are ready. Um, we got some guys stepping in that haven't played as much ball, um, but we're looking forward to using everybody, as Coach Gold says. We need everybody. Um, and guys are really just ready to prove their point. Guys are hungry and guys are ready. He is a funny kid. He was kidding about the 4-2, but actually one of the media members in the crowd was like, wow, he's not running a 4-2, but he is 
in shape and doing well, and I love that guy. And looking forward to talking to more members of the team on Thursday. We will get the safety position covered for you with the safeties coach, James Rowe, along with Jalen Stokes and Coquavius Berryhill. I know he's still listed at Logan. His name is Coquavius. I'm going to try and get everybody on that. And later in the week, Friday, so we'll probably post it on the weekend for you so you don't have to wait, receivers coach LaDamian Washington was mic'd up in a video the team put out on Tuesday night, along with three of his guys, two transfers, Naeem Simmons, Jaden Alexis, along with Sean Atkins. So more football audio to come. We got volleyball audio to come in our second segment with head coach Jolene Shepardson, a couple of her players, a full soccer preview of Thursday night's big matchups, and some other notes, namely with men's basketball and softball coming your way. Stay tuned to Bulls Beat. This is the Unlimited Unloaded page. Some pretty interesting comments about what to expect from the volleyball squad this year in the thoughts of Jolene Shepardson and a little bit from the apparently new setter on the Bulls, Caroline Dykes transfer from East Tennessee State and Amanda DeWitt. That's coming up in a few minutes. Now they play Friday and Saturday, so we'll preview those matches and give you more of their audio on Friday's show. But here we're going to preview the Thursday night action, specifically soccer, both men's and women's. The match we'll have for you on Bulls Unlimited is a bounce-back opportunity for the women's team. Went to Louisiana last week, and as you know, if you were listening to the program, scored a big-time victory against LSU, but could not follow it up, falling to Louisiana 2-0 as the Bulls, as we talked about on Monday's show, probably struggled a little bit with the hot conditions, and I mean hot, in the middle of the afternoon in Louisiana, 101 degrees. But then some other issues with the team that I have a feeling they'll be able to solve against Alabama A&M, namely putting together scoring chances. That was one thing we didn't say on Monday's show. You know, the Raging Cajuns and the Bulls, in reality, the Bulls had more scoring-looking opportunities. But when Louisiana had its, it went for it. In other words, it went on goal, turned its full attention to the goal, and even though it wasn't always a quality shot, it was usually on the frame. The Bulls did a little bit of, and I know they're patient, but sometimes a little bit too patient, at least in this game on Sunday, a little indecisive. Remember, their only goal this season was off of a corner kick, so they have not actually had a goal in the flow of play, and we'll see if that can't change a little bit. Alabama A&M coming off a four-win season. Looking back at their history, we'll talk more about them, obviously, on the broadcast tonight. They started off soccer in 2003 in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, where they still reside and were picked to finish sixth out of ten squads. I take it they did not have an automatic bid in the first season of Alabama A&M soccer because they were the conference champs, (laughs) a below 500 team overall, They, in their first five years, actually only lost one match in conference. There was an 8-0, there was an 8-0-1, and then in 2007, they did win their conference tournament again and went to the NCAA for their one and only time. Had some lean years, but then in 2021, they were 10-8-1. Last year, as I said, four wins, 12 losses, and two ties. One thing they were pretty staunch on was defending. They never, even though they were 4-12-2, gave up more than three goals in a game. Well, that has already changed this year as they, a week ago, lost to Jacksonville State 5 nothing. Incidentally, the Gamecocks turned around and put up a 13 spot on NCANT. So Alabama A&M, respectable, but certainly a team that the Bulls should be able to beat. Last trip to Tampa, a 9 nothing win for the Bulls back in 2011. Actually, their previous trip to Tampa, 
I've lucked into this by looking at some of their past schedules was in 2006. I wanted to do some more dicking into that team that went 14-5, and 8-0 in conference and then did not make the NCAA tournament because it lost in the conference tournament. But, yeah, they played at an event that USF was hosting, but they played two other teams and actually scored one nothing victories against South Alabama and High Point. Who knew? Now you do. By the way, Georgia Brown, who scored the goal at LSU, was named to the AAC Weekly Honor Roll, first said honor roll of the season that came out on Monday. Also this week, Top Drawer Soccer announced its preseason women's national top 100 list of well, best 100 players in the country, and our own Vivian Bissett, the fourth-year player from Canada, ranked number 62. She is just outstanding. So we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock. Meanwhile, late on Thursday, the men's soccer team playing a squad that's a little bit more used to making it to the NCAA tournament and going pretty deep in it, including to the finals just a few years ago. The Washington Huskies picked to finish first in the Pac-12 and number six in the country. They were 15-2-3 last year. That included a 3-0 win over the Bulls in Tampa. The interesting thing is they were 15-0-3 until losing their last two games. Oregon State, which is a strong opponent late in the regular season, naturally because they're a top-10 team. In fact, ranked very near the top most of the season because they didn't lose. (laughs) Got to sit out the first round, but then they fell to Creighton. Now, Creighton ended up making a deep run itself. But that was kind of a disappointing ending because the previous year is the one they made it all the way to the championship. So Washington, during the last two regular seasons, has only lost one match. And the two seasons prior to that championship match trip, they made it to the Elite Eight. So this is a strong team. Now they did lose all three of their top goal scores from last year's outstanding team. Lucas Meek and Elijah Paul both had double digits in scoring their third guy was Nick Scardini at seven goals, which would have made him first on the Bulls. So again, shows you how the Bulls did what they did last year without the eye-popping stats. They had two players each with 10 assists on that squad. None were the three I just mentioned. Now they both return, Emmanuel Rosales, a senior from Mexico, and Chris Myers, a junior from Sacramento. Among the transfers, they added a couple from down the road at Seattle U, which ironically is the Bulls' second opponent. They'll stay. This is a smart scheduling, by the way, this time of year. And yes, the weather is predicted to be beautiful, and this stadium is incredible that Washington plays in. But they added from Seattle U a midfielder, Peter Kingston. And remember this name, if I'm pronouncing it right, Brian Eliohan, I-L-I-O-H-A-N. He is from Holland. He's a transfer from Cal Baptist and scored 24 goals at that school a first team all whack performer so yes they lose their top three goal scores but predictably jamie clark who's been their coach through all this outstanding postseason play has been able to fill some of the holes so that's a 10 30 kickoff if you want to seek out the pac-12 washington network to watch it i guess that network is in its uh, last stages who knows though who knows what happens to the remaining pac teams we know that washington is headed to the Big Ten or Big 20 or whatever it's going to be. So both men's and women's soccer play on Thursday night. Again, we'll have live coverage of the women. It is a full night around the conference. Some props for last year's champion, FIU, playing that Oregon State team in Corvallis. So they're going to be in the same general vicinity of the Bulls. Another highly picked to finish team, Tulsa, has a highly regarded opponent on the road in Louisville as far as the women go. Memphis, which is one of the three 2-0 teams and the preseason conference predicted champion, happens to be hosting Ohio State. So obviously we'll keep an eye on those women's scores while we're on the air Thursday night. 
at 7. Now, Friday and Saturday will be on the air, respectively, from Amelie Arena and Yingling Center. We'll get more focused in on the actual matchups, especially the intrigue from the coaching angle of Fridays against Georgia Tech. Great article already on GoUSFBulls.com about that, but let's just focus here with Jolene Shepardson, the head coach of the Bulls for her third year, on how the team looked in the preseason, which wrapped up with a victory in a scrimmage Saturday at JU, but there was more than just a match. Some of our players came out on fire, very determined, very competitive-minded, really have sharpened up our game. I would say uh, our side-out game is way better. Um, We've been working on that a lot this preseason because last year we actually scored much better in our transition game, like our serving game, which has always been great to be a strong serving team and transition team, but we want to be able to side out quicker. So I was really happy to see that at the scrimmage. And not only that, like our defense, like certain people have really contributed to that defensive, like fast digs, like gutsy plays, like really scrappy defense, uh, which brings that fighter mentality. So we love to feed off that energy. So I'm really happy, you know, some uh, new players came in to play a really competitive um, and some returners so it's a good happy happy mix it's a great thing to end our retreat on as well and it was just a, a wonderful high like super celebratory because we played great volleyball I think JU really took it to us I think they were ready they were well prepared but we really capitalized towards the end of those sets um, which I was really proud to see like under pressure we won we took the sets from them so I was happy to me, a lot of your matches were close last year, and people mm-hmm. want to focus on the hitting numbers, but sometimes defense extends the points and mm-hmm. eventually leads to a victory in point. Is that is that really, really important as far it as is. The, it is. It is because of the the attitude that's behind it. Like, we're not you're going to just lay over and die. Like, you're going to have to earn points against us. So we're serving tougher than ever. Um, we're digging more balls, uh, covering more ground, and then we're adding that offensive component Uh, where we sped up our offense so now we're killing more balls in transition so even when we get them up we're actually putting them away so we have different ways to score and so you'll see that hopefully on Friday. My ears definitely perked up when she said they are trying to score more on side outs usually side outs are when you are more apt to score than when you're serving just because you have the advantage of receiving the serve and setting up your attack well their serve received needed some work and she really got into it And if you want to hear all of what she had to say, we posted it Monday afternoon. And this is what we're doing, again, as we are three times a week. If we have something on a Monday, we're not going to make you wait until Wednesday's show. If you want to hear all of what Coach Shepardson had to say, and she spoke to us for about 25 minutes, it is on our Unlimited Unloaded page right now. You can head there whenever you want. It includes a lot of stuff about, you know, her opposing coaches this weekend that we'll save for Friday's show as we preview those matches. And here's a little bit of Caroline Dykes, who apparently is the starting setter for the Bulls, along with third-year hitter Amanda DeWitt. Good. Um, We just got back from a retreat in Jacksonville, and all of our preseason work has paid off. Like, we've had so much energy and good vibes here, and then taking that over to Jacksonville really, like, showed. So we're just really excited how, like, our preseason 
is going to transform into the regular season. Yeah, and I think also we a big focus was our recovery during uh, our preseason, so our bodies feel really good and we're feeling stronger than ever, ready to come out and beat some teams mm -hmm. this weekend. <laughs> what made it a retreat and not just a preseason game? So uh, we stayed in a retreat, I forgot what it's called, is the Omni something? Amelia Island. Yeah, Amelia yeah. Island. And so we had some time off, where we could go to the beach um, or the pools and we got to stay in little villas with like four of our teammates so that was like a really good bonding experience and we would have like movie nights um, before curfew of course but um, we would we just had a lot of fun um, with it and then we played our game then we got down to business and they'll do it for real beginning on Friday and we'll preview it for you on Friday's show a softball note told you about how Several members of the Bulls are on Team Puerto Rico, which qualified for the World Cup uh, about a month ago. Well, Team Puerto Rico is going to be part of the USF fall schedule. How about that? Mark October 23rd down on your calendar. And if you go to GoUSFBulls.com, the men's basketball roster is completely updated with photos and whatnot. Newest member, a 6'10 junior college transfer, Gerald Jones III from Saddleback College, and apparently a walk-on, who I'm trying to do more research on, Looks like he can shoot a six-foot guard from Milwaukee by the name of Nick Smith. Again, the roster updated on GoUSFBulls.com. That's going to wrap it up for Bulls Beat on a Wednesday. I'm Derek Sharp.